seated. You know, when you first heard these two readings, the reading from the Old Testament and the reading from the Gospel, I don't know if you caught it, but you might have picked up on that it sounded a little disjointed. There, was, there seemed to be a little bit of a disconnect. In fact, there seemed to be kind of an inconsistency and almost a disconnect between the first part of the Gospel and the second part of the Gospel. And we'll get to that. Because it's important to understand the Word of God and make the connection there. Communication and understanding is vital to building any relationship. And yet it is so easy to be misunderstood, isn't it? It's so easy to be misunderstood by those you love. Communication is so vital to building up a relationship. And people that we love, even when we're trying to communicate with the best of intentions, with what we think is absolute pure love, and we're misunderstood. I mean, being perfectly honest, there are times that we are communicating with someone that we love that we have hidden agendas, right? And so we're going to be misunderstood because we have those hidden agendas. There's misunderstanding that takes place in the worst of our communication, in the worst of situations, in the worst of our agendas. But there's also miscommunication that takes place even when we believe that we're loving in the best way we can love. That people don't hear us. Now you would think, in the day and age in which we live, I mean, my goodness, we are so well-educated today. We are so civilized today. And after all, we live in the information age, don't we? I mean, we have become so progressed. We've moved through the industrial age to the technological age, to the information age. And we have so many ways of communication. We have the computer, we have the cell phone, we have Instagram and we have Twitter. We have so many ways of communication, so many means, and yet miscommunication happens all the time, doesn't it? I've been married to my wife For nearly 40 years. We're we're getting close. Not quite there yet. And yet, with the deep love that we have for each other, and the number of years that we've known each other, we have known each other for 40 years, there is still miscommunication. I know that's hard to believe. You know what's interesting is thinking about our age of communication. Do you really believe that Apple and IBM is really, really bottom line interested in your having better better communication with people? Do you think that is their bottom line? Or is there something else going on? Personally, 
I believe it's about economics. And what is underneath economics? Self-motivation. They're in it for what they can get. And guess what? A lot of the communication that happens in families, even though there's love, even though you would think that we are in family because we so love each other. I mean, these are the most important people in my life. That there is sometimes self-interest involved in my relationship with my wife. I know it's hard to believe. There is sometimes my own agenda. And that's true of everyone. Spouse to spouse, children to parents, parents to children. Even though we love each other, miscommunication happens. Under the best of circumstances, under the worst of circumstances, miscommunication happens. Why? In order for communication to be the best it can be, there has to be a perfect sender and a perfect receiver. And guess what? There isn't. There has to be perfect love. There has to be perfect openness. There has to be perfect trust, and there isn't. God, who is perfect love, is the one who's trying to communicate with us. He's trying to communicate His love. He's trying to communicate His Word. But we don't always get it. Because we're not always open to it. Because we don't always want to hear it. Because we don't always want to receive it. Because we don't always want to follow Him and do what He calls us to do. And so there is miscommunication. That's part of the problem in our relationship with the Lord. That's part of the situation that we see going on in the readings for today. And so we get upset when miscommunication happens. And the reality is God loves us. And He wants what's best for us. But we don't always trust that. And if we really did seek to follow Him, if He really did call us to follow Him and say, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. I invite you to follow me and be my disciple. Guess what's going to happen next? We're going to be misunderstood by other people who don't love him, who don't want to follow him. And then we have a challenge. How do we handle those other people who misunderstand our following the Lord? And that's part of what's going on in these situations that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Is there an openness to the Lord? Is there a willingness to trust the Lord? Is there a willingness to receive His love? Because only if there's a willingness to receive His love, to be open to Him, to trust Him, will we be willing to follow Him? With that in mind, 
I want us to look at the gospel reading. And we're going to touch on the Old Testament reading, and we're going to touch on the first part of the gospel reading. But I want to actually begin by looking at verse 57 of the gospel reading. If you want to look at your bulletin, it's on the, it's on the back page. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds, have, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What is Jesus saying there? Now, you need to understand the scene. The scene is, is that Jesus has just passed through a Samaritan village. These are people who are not open to Jesus. To the fact that Jesus is not only a prophet, but Jesus is the Messiah. And this particular group of Samaritans are not open to him. Are there other Samaritans that are open to him? Yes. We see that in John chapter 4. Story for another time. So it's not all Samaritans that aren't open to him. But this particular group of Samaritans aren't open to him. And what do the apostles want to do? They want to call down fire. Hey, if you're not open to Jesus as a prophet and Lord, we're going to show you what for. Because they want to exhibit God's power. And Jesus said, no, this is not the time for that. Because I'm trying to seek people to follow me. And that's what we're going about doing. So he moves on to someone who is Jewish. Someone who is more inclined as he continues to proclaim the word. And this person comes up to him and says, yes, I want to follow you. So what does that look like? Well, see, we're not sure exactly what this person has in mind, but the apostles, of course, are thinking about God's power. They're thinking of someone like Elijah and Elisha, this Old Testament reading that we have. Elijah, who is considered the greatest prophet of all, who's considered endowed with this incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what many Jews want to experience. They want this outpouring of God's power. That's why Elisha, or Elisha, as Rick read, was hanging around Elijah. He wanted that kind of power. He wanted that experience of walking with the Lord, of having His Spirit, of having His power. And that's part of what happens when you walk with the Lord. You experience the power. But Jesus wanted people to understand the cost. If you're going to experience the power, you need to understand the cost. So Jesus said, you know, you need to understand. If you're willing to follow me, this is what you risk. You need to fully and completely trust me because you don't always get what you want. Someone from the last service said, you were quoting Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones. You don't always get what you want. You know, think about in the Old Testament, Abraham. If he was going to follow the Lord's call, he had to leave everything. He had to leave his family and just follow the Lord's call. The Israelites, when they were in bondage in Egypt... If they responded to the Lord's call out of this bondage, they had to just go right out into the wilderness. That when God calls you to follow, you might be leaving something that you know is security 
And the only thing you know when you go out and follow him is that he's going to provide for you. And you don't know what that looks like. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But I don't have a place to lay my head. So if you're looking for security, the only thing you have is me. Are you willing to trust that? See, now ideally, most of us say, well, of course. I trust you, Lord. Do you? Do you really? And how do you show that in your life? That you really trust the Lord. Because the reality is most people trust the world. Because if you really trusted the Lord, if you really were open to Him and His call on your life, you would be seeking His word and saying, Lord, what does it really mean to follow you? What does it really mean to respond to your call on my life? Because there's risk. And sometimes there's rejection and sometimes there's challenges. Because the world often doesn't want what the Lord calls us to. As I mentioned before, we're going to be commissioning some short-term missionaries. You know... Short-term missionary is a, is a threatening thing to some. Going away for a week or two to the mission field. And some people say, you know, I really can't do that. What about going to the mission field for years? Most of us say, I can't even imagine doing that. I'm not sure I could trust the Lord that much. Now, You have to know the Lord's calling you to that. I have to say that. If you're going to go to the full-time mission field, you have to know the Lord's calling you to that. But do you trust Him? Do you trust that, in fact, if He was calling you, that He would provide for you? Whether it be short-term missions or long-term missions, do you really believe, do you really trust that He would take care of you and provide for you? Because you know what He calls all of us to? He calls all of us to tithe. He calls all of us to give 10% of our income to his work. And most of us don't trust him to that. Because after all, how can I possibly provide for my family and all of the things I want and I need if I give 10% to the Lord's work? How can I do that? I mean, look at all these bills. Look at all the things that I need Do you really need everything you have? Or do you want it? See, if you really trusted the Lord and you really took Him at His word, you really sought to follow Him, you'd be willing to sacrifice. See, Meredith and I have tithed all of our married life. Now, you might look at me and say, well, that's because you make the big bucks. That's really not it. That's really not it. It's all about priorities. 
And it's all about trusting Him. And when you do, you can point to Him and His power and His ability to provide. That it's not about me. It's about Him. And I've watched Him over and over again to provide. That's what he's saying to this man. Do you trust me? If you're going to follow me, do you trust me? Secondly, Jesus actually calls this man. To another he said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But he said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now that sounds kind of harsh at first, doesn't it? You know, the reality is this man wouldn't even be in Jesus' presence if his father had just died. In fact, the reality is if this father was about to die, this man wouldn't be in Jesus' presence. What commentators will tell you is this guy's father probably wasn't close to dying. What this man was saying is timing's not right. You know, this is probably not the time in my life to really get involved with you, Jesus. There's probably going to be a time down the road that it'll be more convenient. This is not the time. How many times in our lives do we say that to the Lord? This is not a convenient time in my life for me to serve you. When we're young... We want to have fun. Lord, right now is not really the convenient time. You know, when I get married and have children and settle down, then I'll follow you. Then what happens? We get married, we have children, then I'm too busy. Right? And then the kids grow up and they're out of the house and then, oh, wait, now it's time for me. Right? And then I get retired and I hear this from a lot of retired people. I've never been busier than than now. I'm busier now than I've ever been in my life. The reality is it's all about choices. It's all about priority, priorities and choices. When Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, oh, by the way, when it works for you, okay? When it's convenient, when it's easy, you know, don't want to interrupt your schedule. Don't want to be a bother. What does it really mean to follow him? Well, you know, the weather's really not that nice today. I, you know, don't want to go out in the rain. Or, it's so nice today, I really don't want to waste a couple hours going to church. Or, you know, I'm really tired today. I, don't, I, you know, I just want to have a leisurely morning. Or, you know, it's really inconvenient to go to church. Have to drive. You know, a lot of traffic. Whatever. There's always reasons. I read a story several years ago. 
about this guy who got up on a Sunday morning, said to his wife, you know, I don't really want to go to church this morning. It's raining out, tired. People over there really don't like me anyway. You know, I'd rather just have a leisurely breakfast, read the paper, watch sports on TV. And his wife said to him, you can't. you got to go. You're the pastor and you're scheduled to preach. <laughs> what if? What if I didn't want to come this morning? Who? Rick? I guess you could have preached. <laughs> You know, we don't think about that. It's your job. But the reality is God has a call on all of our lives. All of our lives to follow Him. What does that mean? Is it about ease, convenience, comfort? Is that what it is? See, this whole thing about bearing your father, it's about when the time works for me. Thirdly, another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow looks back and is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, again, this sounds a little harsh, but remember the Old Testament reading. Elisha, Elisha wanted to do it. He was permitted. My guess is Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they probably said goodbye to everybody before they hit the road with Jesus. I think Jesus knew this guy's heart, and this guy wasn't asking just to say farewell to his friends. I think this guy was saying, I need to check this out with my friends to see if this is cool, if they approve, if they think this is an okay thing to do. How many times do we do that? We seek our friends' approval. We want to make sure that this Christian thing is okay with the people around us. You know, we don't want to appear too religious. My goodness. You know, following Jesus, because we want to check out and make sure we're we're worldly enough that we fit in with everybody. That we make sure we're still having enough fun. That we got the things of the world. That we're still enjoying life. The fear of rejection, the desire for approval, being worldly successful, being comfortable, being entertained. It's such a lure to make sure that we don't stand out too much in our faith because of the temptation. You know, it's funny. I can look back at different times in my life when I was misunderstood 
because of my commitment to the Lord. When I first made my commitment to the Lord, because of the neighborhood where I lived, my two best friends in high school, the guys I hung out with all the time, they were drug dealers. They did not understand exactly what I was doing. But we had a great friendship. So they got high behind my back. Because they didn't want to offend me. They knew I wouldn't approve. I was designated driver before people talked about designated drivers. (laughs) Then eventually, Mark and Larry both came to the Lord through Young Life. Same way I came to the Lord. Then they understood. Really interesting. When I got to college... And I started college majoring in chemical engineering. My dad was an engineer. And then I changed my major to a double major in religious studies and philosophy. My dad didn't understand. At all. I became a part-time youth director at a Presbyterian church. My junior and senior year of college. My dad came to Youth Sunday that first year and heard me preach. On the way out of church, he said to me, well, I always knew you were a BSer. He didn't say BS, by the way. You know how you all greet me in the back of the church? That was his greeting. That was his way of saying, I kind of understand why you're doing what you do. He was beginning to understand. When Meredith and I accepted a call to San Antonio and then eventually started doing youth work, or not youth work, mission work down in Mexico, my mom didn't understand why we would accept a call to San Antonio and certainly didn't understand why I was doing short-term missions. She was afraid I was going to get arrested in Mexico and she'd never see me again. Over time, she began to understand. This wasn't a fad or phase. She didn't fully comprehend when I went to Africa, though, either. But eventually she came to understand. This is my heart. And I follow the Lord's call wherever he opens the door. What happens is, over time, we develop a witness. That people begin to see God's power in our lives. And people see our faithfulness. They may not fully comprehend. But it gives us an opportunity to be witnesses for Him. That God's love begins to show through our lives. God's faithfulness. God's provision. And the more consistent our walk, the more people take notice that there really is something different. And when we struggle and when we hurt, to remember that God's perspective is not just about this life. God has an eternal perspective. That His love is about eternity because He wants us to spend eternity with Him.
And he wants to use us to touch other lives so that others might spend eternity with him. And the only way that our witness is effective is if we really do follow him. And the power of God is made manifest in our lives because we're different. We will be misunderstood. But I'd rather be misunderstood for the right reasons. Because I love the Lord. And because I love other people. Jesus was certainly misunderstood. But he died on a cross out of love for me. Because I fall short. Because I need his grace. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's our mediator. He's the one that shows us God's love. He's the one that models God's love. And he's the one that brings us the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we might follow him. Jesus on a couple of occasions said, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. That's understanding. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. That means you take it in. That means that you are open. That means you trust His love. And by that love you're transformed. Do you hear? Do you understand? He who has ears to hear, let them hear. For now, for the sake of those you love, and for eternity. Let's pray. Lord, from time to time we're all misunderstood. And commitment these days is so rare. Commitment and trust that lasts for a lifetime. And love that is sacrificial. Lord, I pray that if I'm going to be misunderstood, by those around me that it would be for the right reasons because I'm wholly given over to you and seek to love you and seek to love them that I'm not about my own agenda that I'm about your agenda that in a world that is so self-centered and self-consumed that I would be willing to risk being misunderstood for the sake of your love in me and your love working through me. Lord, I thank you for the gift of Jesus that brings me that love and forgiveness for the power of your Holy Spirit that is able to transform us. Lord, I pray for those today that may not know that love.
that they would know you as Savior and Lord and be transformed by your grace. That they would have ears to hear when you call and say, follow me. And they would be willing to risk. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.